This is episode 56 of The Popcast. Welcome to The Popcast, a weekly podcast all about pop culture in three regular segments. We're your hosts, Josh and Maureen Goldman. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Popcast. This week, we are finally sitting at a table. It's pretty much our only show of the year where we sit at a table. Yeah, we're usually on the floor in our room. Everybody who listens knows that. But we are at a table this time. And as promised, we have two special guests with us this week because we're going to skip the snack bag altogether and we are going to jump right into our premiere topic. As promised, we are doing our next installment of Critically Panned. This week, we're going to talk about The Mighty Ducks. We have two special guests. We are joined by Maureen's brother and my brother-in-law, Kevin, and Kevin's wife and our sister-in-law, Kathy. Both are big fans of our Critically Panned movie. And Kevin is also an avid hockey player and watcher, so he might have some inside deets about hockey that that the rest of us wouldn't know. So excited to talk about this movie. Yes, thank you for being here. The other thing that you guys might hear out there is that since we're sitting on a porch in New York, in upstate New York, there might be crickets, there could be fireworks, there were fireworks last night, so you never know what you're going to hear when you're outside. The other thing is that Kevin, last night, built us a great fire, and we had s'mores. And before we start our conversation, I wanted to ask everybody... If you have to pick of the marshmallow, graham cracker, or chocolate, what is the MVP of the s'more? Maureen, we'll start with you. What is the MVP of a s'more? I mean, for me, it's the combination, but I no, say the marshmallow. I'm, I'm not done answering. Okay. I would say the marshmallow because I love graham crackers and I love chocolate, but the marshmallow I really only really eat on s'mores. So to me, a s'more is mainly marshmallow. And it has to be warmed up. It has to be in the fire. Oh, it has to be toasted. It has to be melty. I do not like unmelted marshmallows. Okay. Kathy, how about you? What is the MVP of the s'more? I completely agree. It's a toasted marshmallow. Toasted yes, marshmallow. So we yes. have two for marshmallow. Kevin, how about you? I hear the marshmallow argument because that's so much like puts it in the campfire and toast it, but it's just... It wouldn't be the same without the chocolate. I got to go chocolate. Wow. And I'm going to go with the graham cracker because (laughs) I knew that people were going to react like that. And the reason I have to say graham cracker is because if you don't have the graham cracker, you don't have a cookie sandwich. You could do chocolate on either side of a marshmallow or just a marshmallow. Okay. You guys are wrong. Now we're all into we want to pick two ingredients, not just one. Wait, Kevin. Okay. So chocolate was yours. How many? Obviously, we're using Hershey's chocolate. How many little... Like bars, chocolate, little chocolate wedges. Rectangles. Well, you put three on. I did. Last night. That was pretty good, but I'd, I would go four if I could be unlimited. Yeah. Josh went six. I went six. Wow, that's bold. Because they break in. <laughs> Double stacked? Kathy's eyes. No, I went, I, went, I went side to side. Because, wow. you know, they break three and three when you have a bar. So I was like, well, it's either three or six. So I just went with six. <laughs> Kevin was really diplomatic there. He was just going to add one extra little rectangle. Yeah, that would fill up the gram. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Okay, okay so we're going to jump into our premiere topic, which is Critically Pan, The Mighty Ducks. We did this first back in episode 37, where we took a look at National Treasure. And basically, if you haven't heard this little installment of our podcast, we're going to look at a movie that received poor critical reviews, but remains a cult classic. And this week... Again, we're going to talk about The Mighty Ducks, starring Emilio Estevez. It was written by Stephen Brill, directed by Stephen Herrick. The film was released, wait for it, guys, 27 years ago in 1992. It grossed $50 million at the box office, which was definitely a hit for a movie that only cost $10 million to make. From Walt Disney Pictures, he's a hotshot attorney who's never lost. Yes! Forced to coach a hockey team that's never won. Keep swinging, maybe I'll give him a cold. He'll try to teach them how to win. You think losing is funny? Well, men at first, but once you get the hang of it. And they'll teach him. Get off the roof, you little monkey! That winning isn't everything. Let's have fun out there. Walt Disney Pictures presents Emilio Estevez. Are we ducks or what? 
the Mighty Ducks. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Okay, here is a brief description of the movie in case you haven't seen it, taken from Wikipedia. But if you haven't seen it, seriously, go watch it, then come back to our show. Okay, so here's the description. After a Minneapolis lawyer, Gordon Bombay, is sentenced to community service for a drunk driving conviction, he begins coaching a peewee hockey league made up of misfits and delinquents, including Charlie Conway. Haunted by past shortcomings while on the ice, he tries to coach teamwork on the way to a district championship. And guys, I had to share this fun fact with you because we're not going to do exactly what The Ringer does when they do their rewatchables podcast. We're not going to do casting what ifs, but I did see one that I had to bring up here. Did you know that the person originally cast as Charlie Conway in the movie was Jake Gyllenhaal? Oh, I really wanted um, to be Leo. I no. thought you were going there. <laughs> I thought I was going to be like, oh, Jake Gyllenhaal, he had to turn it down because his parents said he had to focus on his academics. He was going to middle school and they said, no hockey for you. You have to go. And do your academics. And so Joshua Jackson of, what was he on? Dawson's, Dawson's Creek later? Creek. Oh, yeah. Later, afterwards. Uh, he he then was cast in the role of Charlie Conway. He did a good job. So it was okay. Wow, Gyllenhaal parents really coming down on the academics. And both of their kids, I don't know if they have others, but both of their kids are like mega movie stars. They are now, yeah. I like that Joshua Jackson got his start there. It was definitely his first big role. His breakout for sure. Yeah, definitely his first breakout. All right, so I'm going to read a couple of these reviews from the critics and these are pretty great so feel free to react if you want to from roger ebert he said it must be said that this movie is sweet and innocent and that at a certain level it might appeal to younger kids i doubt if its ambitions reach much beyond that he didn't know what was going to happen when all of us kids grew up <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and kept watching this movie and made other people watch it mm-hmm. yeah that's true okay janet maslin of the new york times said the film is remarkably oblivious to the fact that if the team weren't hell-bent on a championship, young moviegoers would be significantly less interested in its adventures. Isn't that every like sports movie for kids ever? That's not wrong. That, that, that does sum up most sports movies, even if it's not a kid's movie. Maybe she would say that they're all bad. All right, Janet, you're out. Rita Kempley of The Washington Post said, Stephen Brill, the writer of the film, who has a small role in the film, constructed the screenplay much as one would put together some of those particle board bookcases from Ikea. Harsh. <laughs> that is pretty harsh. That's like you have a, a an instruction manual without any words, and you just put it together. Yep. And you're probably missing a couple of pieces that just couldn't go together. Yeah. You're like, whatever. It whatever. Doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Or... Yeah, that's a good point. And you put everything together with like a weird octagonal tool that like no one has ever seen before. (laughs) We're going really down deep in the rabbit hole of Ikea. We've all clearly had some experience. And then the last review is from Destin Thompson, also of the Washington Post. This is my favorite one so far. He said, those not yet wise to formulaic pablum are likely to enjoy this ice hockey kitty ensemble comedy, but their older escorts might want to bring a novel and a flashlight or a Walkman or portable television with earphones. <laughs> I love how much that dates. The, yeah, because remember, this movie came out in 1992, so it has very 92 references. All right, well, I think we're all in agreement. We all like this movie. I think for us, we all grew up watching it, so it's become a classic in our eyes. It'd be interesting to hear from someone who'd never seen it, and I think that you guys, Kevin and Kathy, you showed it to someone who'd never seen it before, and maybe you can share their reaction in a little bit. But the first thing we're going to do, we're going to do our categories. The first one is Be the Critic. Each of us are going to give a one to two sentence critique of the movie. Maureen, we'll start with you. If you're looking for a feel-good film of the year, check out The Mighty Ducks. It involves a whole bunch of kids on a hockey team who don't really know what they're doing, but you will laugh and you will cry when they ultimately win the championship, which you could have predicted in the first five seconds of the movie. All right, that was was pretty good. Kevin, you want to go give your review? Sure. I don't know if this qualifies as a review. Yeah, I think whatever. 
The Mighty Ducks will have you quacking along with a Minnesota miracle. Yeah. Nice and succinct. Very marketing focused. I like that. Yeah, it's more like a tagline. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Kathy, let's hear your review of the film. If you like movies about hockey and misfit kids finding their passions and their interests via sports and how they come together as a team, this is a perfect movie for anyone. Wow, it was really good. Yeah, that, that was yeah. Way and the than team Maureen. aspect, I think, is a big piece of this, which you really hit on. Okay, you guys want to hear mine? You want to hear mine? Yeah. Okay. A heartwarming tale of a hotshot lawyer and a ragtag group of hockey players who come together and defy the world to win a district championship. Though not hilarious, it has plenty of funny moments and is perfect for families looking to teach their kids a lesson about teamwork and the consequences of drunk driving. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, you don't think it's hilarious? I mean, it's not hilarious. It's not laugh out loud funny. When I rewatched the movie, (gasps) I I did not laugh out loud, but I liked it. But it's for kids. When you were a kid, did you laugh out loud? I mean, maybe. We did. Yeah, I don't I don't find it hilarious, but I do like I do like the movie. Well, you guys like turned on me real quick there. I mean, I like it. It's okay. This is a sp- this is a safe space. Safe space. Okay. All right. So now we're going to talk about the Rotten Tomatoes rating. I think I told you guys or sent you guys this, so you might already know that the rating it got was 23%, which means that, that only 23% horrifying. of critics liked the movie. That means a, a whopping 77% said it was rotten. Rude. Are you surprised by this? Or not surprised? Maureen. I was really surprised when Josh suggested this as like, oh, we should do another critically panned. How about the Mighty Ducks? I was like, what? That's not critically panned. And then he told me the score and I was horrified. I was really shocked. I I don't know. Maybe it's just because it was such a staple in our household because of Kevin growing up. But like nothing would have crossed my mind that would this would have been like not well received. Kevin, do you think that if maybe they only had kid reviewers that it would have 100 percent like when when it first came out? Not 100 percent. You think there'd be some kids? It's a good movie. It's not that good. (laughs) But I was surprised that it was so low, even trying to take into account that it's a kid's movie. And so, of course, it's going to be like a little bit lower. I was thinking like even 50%. I would be like, okay, it's a kid's movie. It's not going to score that high. But 23. Yeah, I mean, Kathy, when you think about it, do you think that like the reviewer should go into the movie like knowing it's a kid's movie? I think that's what you were saying, Kevin. Like, right. So like if a reviewer knows that it's a kid's movie, are they judging it on that? Or do you think that they're just like saying objectively as a film it's not good because i think if you take it like that you have to think like all right it's made for kids if i think it's made for kids this is exactly the kind of movie that i wanted to watch as a kid i wanted to watch kids who are very different from one another and trying to you know like figure out what it means to grow up and like you know play a sport together and i just that is exactly what i would want as a kid and as a reviewer i could imagine why it was pretty low though yeah, I mean, I guess I you could know. see, like, you know, thinking about, like, Roger Ebert, and he'd be, like, uh, like, crusty, and he's, like, sitting... was not made yeah, for Roger was, Ebert. Yeah, it was not made for him. But, you know, I, I just feel like if you're going in, it's not, like, highbrow entertainment, but it's also not, like, lowest common denominator. I think it does have a lot of, like, themes in it that can be good for both kids and adults. Yeah, it's got a lot more beyond the, like, kids movie, okay, there'll be funny moments for that, that it gets a little bit deeper. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the main character, when I rewatched it, I was actually really surprised about this, but, you know, I thought that Joshua Jackson's character, Charlie Conway, was the main character when I was thinking about it. When I rewatched the movie, it really is Emilio Estevez's character is Gordon Bobbay. He's the main character, and the whole crux of his storyline is, like, redemption from his past and also thinking about like he does get convicted for drunk driving which is a pretty serious thing to talk about in a kids movie i mean i was making light of it earlier but it's pretty serious maureen what do you think about that i think i since we watched this as kids i we were just asking our mom about it so kevin was eight or six and i was around eight when we first watched this Mm -hmm. so like 
for me, I really remember Charlie and the other kids because that's who I identified with. But yeah, watching it back as an adult a few times, yeah, you're, I mean, you're right. They do talk about some serious things for Gordon. I don't know if they like threw that in there for the parents. As a kid, I didn't really relate a lot to that, but I, I do think it's a pretty serious topic to be talking about. That's interesting that you say that about that you look at it at a different way, whether you're an adult or a kid, because I was probably the same way and you guys were probably as well, Kevin and Kathy. So yeah, that's an interesting point. All right, let's move on to our next category. We're going to talk about the highlights of the movie. Kevin, just give me one or two of your favorite moments from the film. What makes it a great film in your eyes? Not just like great film, but like great moments, like those feel-good moments, and especially as a kid. And this film holds a special place for me as a kid growing up who loved hockey and just had to play hockey also. Because this is like the only movie, hockey movie for kids, right? Is there another one? I mean, at at that time especially, I don't know of another. This was like what I watched. Right. Like, yes, hockey is awesome. The scene where they get to go to the Minnesota North Stars game, yes, dating it to 92. The fact that it's the Minnesota North Stars who moved to... Uh, Dallas. Dallas. Yeah. yeah. So the yeah, Dallas yeah. Stars, they dropped the North because they were not in the North anymore. <laughs> right, right. But they get to go to the game. They get to skate on the ice. And that's like beyond a kid's dream to be like on an uh, NHL rink. And there were real NHL players in the movie, I think. There were yes. a couple like maybe they were like past Madonna. Their was oh, one yeah. Of them okay. Okay. Know, yeah. 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 That is a cool moment. Kathy, how about you? Any, any moments stand out for you in the movie? I think one of my favorite moments is when Gordon Bombay tells his chauffeur to drive his limo out onto the ice and all of the kids surround him and then Charlie Conway's mom comes out screaming at Gordon Bombay and Gordon Bombay goes like I grew up on the ice like I know when it's safe to drive on and so it was just this moment of all the kids kind of going crazy over this limo the mom character comes in we meet her for the first time and we also see kind of Gordon Bombay being kind of a pompous can we talk about lawyer can we talk about how he was like sentenced to community service he got to coach a hockey team, which he liked hockey from his past, you learn, and he got to keep a limo and a chauffeur. Like, it's not really this that is, much of a This is community punishment. disservice. Yeah, exactly. Maureen, do you have any favorite moments that, from the film? Kathy totally stole mine. Mine was, like, all the kids, like, swarming the limo. And, like, it's also, like, a lot of them don't come from, like, super wealthy families. And so I think that that was a really interesting dichotomy that they were kind of showing there. Now, I'm going to say a moment, and I'm not going to lie. I can't. I think that this is the first Mighty Ducks, but if it was the second or third, <laughs> which you know we also ones. watched, like they all kind of run together in my head. But I think, is there, is there a moment where they're all on rollerblades and they're like going through the town and like picking up the kids? That's, that's the, second the beginning one. of the, the second, second one. one. But Maureen, there is the moment on rollerblades where they're trying to teach Fulton how to skate and they teach oh, him to yeah. skate by rollerblading through the Mall of America. Yeah. And he like goes down the escalator. Mm-hmm. That's oh, the up escalator yeah. that all the people and they're jumping out yeah, of the way. So good. Yeah, great. They yeah. pick up on that theme again in the second yeah. one where they also... Yeah, they knew that was a winner. I have to say, I think my favorite moment, and this is pretty obvious, but I really like the ending of the movie. And I like it because it's a nice juxtaposition between what we see at the beginning and at the end. So at the end of the movie, Charlie Conway has a moment to win the district championship by shooting a penalty shot. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And then that mirrors the beginning where we see Gordon Bombay as a child. He misses the shot. And I think that what is great about the moment is that the reaction of Gordon Bombay as the coach versus the reaction of his coach when he was a kid, you know, his reaction is if you miss it, it's okay. And nothing's going to happen. But when Gordon was a kid, the reaction was if you miss it, this is everything. And so like having a moment where, you know, you have real character growth in the character of Gordon Bombay and, and he's really acting as a father figure for Charlie. I just think that's even moving as an adult watching the movie. Yeah. I also feel like 
you know, I can't remember exactly. Didn't Goran Bombay choose Charlie to make that shot, even though all the kids were like, Spazway, he shouldn't make that yeah, shot. Yeah, but... you're right. I think they wanted Adam Banks, who is like the best player on the team. They wanted him to take the shot. And, and Gordon said, no, it should be Charlie, which was a, a nice moment. All right. Now we're going to talk about some lowlights, potential downfalls. Do you agree with the critics at all? Maureen, we'll start with you. Anything that they said that they pointed out, you know, the paint by number script or or the fact that it's not really for adults that you want to pick up on and, and say, okay, I can see where you're coming from. I mean, all of it. Like, it is completely predictable, completely wow, not for all of it. But that is part of what makes it magic. It is what it is. It's like a feel good, underdogs are going to win. Guy's going to get the girl. Everyone's going to be happy and you're going to learn some lessons along the way. And I think that as a parent, I can look at this movie as something I'm really excited to show to Caleb someday because even though there are some like hard lessons in there, there's nothing that's inappropriate. And there's the lessons kind of come out on the if you work hard and like are a good person, it will pay off for you. And I think that as a kid, that's something that's really important to see re reinforced over and over again because you may take it for granted as adults and it may seem predictable, but to an, a six-year-old or an eight-year-old, that's something they have to learn and they have to be encouraged to take risks and that it's okay to make mistakes and et cetera, et cetera. So I think I agree with the critics, but do I you think it. Do you think it would be a better movie if Charlie misses the penalty shot mm. just like Gordon did? Interesting. And then has to like get over that and learn that life lesson. Because this movie is about Gordon getting over that That's failure a as a child. I never thought about that. I actually think that would make it better. Or if they could like have him, could they do both? Like could Charlie miss uh, a shot okay. and then <laughs> like miss a shot in the in the like pre-playoffs, but then in the playoffs, playoffs, he like makes Point. it. That totally defeats the purpose. I just really purpose. like it when it kind of resolves I, nicely. I could see that he could miss it because that was at the end of regulation and then they would go to overtime. Yeah. And then if he like scored in overtime to like yeah but get yeah but they don't take him out like they should take him out because he just missed one but like gordon lets him stay in and like have one more shot it's hockey there's shifts so like you're all <laughs> going on and off the ice there's that hockey I expertise meant, we I meant wanted for like the, all right <laughs> i actually i actually like that idea though because it it would it would show the relationship that gordon has is different with charlie than he had with his coach mm -hmm. who is still coaching the other team by the way yeah We'll, go, we'll get we'll there. Get there. We'll, we'll, get there. <laughs> we'll get there in a little bit. Okay, so Kathy, anything that the critics said that you say, yeah, I can totally see that that is, that's kind of spot on. Yeah, I agree with the fact that it is very formulaic. It's, you know, you can tell exactly what is going to happen in the sense that, yeah, they're going to win this team that should not win. So maybe to Kevin's point, it'd be better <laughs> um, if they didn't win. Maybe. Maybe. I do think, though, that there are there is a lot in there for adults because there's so many adult themes. We just talked about the DUI, which we wouldn't have understood as kids. And then the part where, you know, they make jokes around the last coaches having a heart attack. I don't remember that, like, one kid. <laughs> there oh, was, grabbed his yeah. like and then just went So, down. like, Coach Bombay goes, what happened to the last coach? And then this kid, like, grabs his arm and falls to the ice, and Coach Bombay goes, oh, heart attack. I would have not picked up on that as a kid. Yeah, that was in there for the adults. There was in there for the adults. So I think there's a, there are enough nuggets like that that are there, and so I don't think that an adult has to bring a book to read in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty harsh, the, bringing the book to yeah. the theater. Kevin, anything, anything in this movie, or is this just, like, gold for you? No, there, there's there's one storyline that I'm like, leave this out. And it's Gordon and Charlie's mom's love story. Uh-huh. Yep. Just for, for the kid audience, I think they put that in for the parents and it didn't resonate. The, I don't even think it's good. Like, it's not good enough for the parents. Oh, I, I have, get, I I have get some it. stuff to say about this. Yeah. I get why they put it in there because it is really a story about Gordon Bombay, the coach, and it's not as much about the actual ducks. Um, and he's like, you know, getting over his demons, becoming a better person. And your interpersonal relationships are a big part of that. But I, I could leave that entire storyline out. 
Yeah, that was actually going to be my choice for what would improve this movie is leaving that whole storyline out. But I actually think that the one thing I agree with the critics about is that I don't know why kids movies feel like they need to do this. But like any jokes about and I guess they do laugh at it, but like jokes about like flatulence and like farting. Goldberg. <laughs> I mean, that's low stuff, hanging fruit. It, it's very low hanging fruit. And, and you like, loved that. Yeah, when I was eight. It's for eight-year-olds. <laughs> I know, I know. But I feel like if you could take that stuff out, there's still plenty of other funny moments in it that could be a little bit higher that don't you don't need to go to that really, really low place. And it's not super prevalent in this movie. It's not like the movie Heavyweights, which I actually also really enjoy. It has film. a lot of that. Um, but this, I, I feel like you could do without some of that and it would still be as enjoyable of a movie. When you're trying to do comedy, reaching to that low, low, low common denominator is just ends up being lazy at some point. So that, I, you know, I can see what the that. critics would say about, you know, like that kind of humor isn't really for adults. Mm-hmm. I already mentioned that the thing that I would improve about the movie is taking out the the love story between Gordon and Charlie's mom, who is so inconsequential in my mind. I don't even remember her character's name. For a second, I thought about looking it up and I was like, it's not important yeah, enough. Not I'll important. Just say Charlie's, Charlie's mom. mom. Charlie's yeah. mom. Uh, maybe, maybe she's only referred to as Charlie's mom. I don't know. <laughs> she works at a diner. Charlie's mom, I love you. <laughs> All right, so Maureen, would you do anything to improve this movie? I mean... Pretty perfect from her eyes. I really like it. I might do a little less of like creepy old guy Hans mentoring. (laughs) He's the mentor. (gasps) He's not creepy, Maureen. I found him a little, a little. All right, this is your moment. I'm sorry. He's the only person who has an accent. Like he just, I either want more of him or less of him. So you want like a backstory from him or get him out altogether? Yes. Like you want to know more about him? We get a little bit of a backstory, but I want him to be more involved. Like I want to see more of him and see that relationship develop a little bit more or like he needs like a one scene and done. Got it. Kevin, how about you? Anything you would do to improve this movie? Well, first I wrote down more quacking because that could always improve this movie. Yes, absolutely. But I think more realistic hockey scenes. The hockey scenes look like they're filming in slow motion. The kids are like not even actually skating. Anytime someone scores a goal, the goalie's like standing next to the goal and not like the (laughs) joke one when Goldberg like is like, just take it because I don't have real pads. We'll get to that later too. Yeah. (laughs) But like no one's really playing hockey in these scenes. And as, as a kid growing up, who was playing hockey that really like became apparent as I was watching it more and more and getting older being like these guys aren't actually skating and playing do you think that that improved in the two sequels a little bit yeah yeah I think by the third one they they got pretty because they went to high school in the third movie and they were playing the junior varsity was playing the varsity team in that and I think that they improved the hockey scenes in that movie well the hockey scenes got better in the movie overall should not be watched in my opinion yo the third one don't watch the third one they go from the Olympics to high school junior Olympics okay Junior Whatever. Goodwill Games. Yeah. Junior Goodwill Games. Yes. Yeah, we should. That's a whole other thing. That's like a whole other. Co- they were in the Olympics. That's a whole other like storyline in the second movie, like how the entire Mighty Ducks team just gets to be the Junior Goodwill no, they team. Add the, they had the kid they from Texas like and Luis Mendoza. Yeah, I know. Who can't stop? Okay, we're, 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 we're digressing. Yeah. We're, we're digressing. We're yeah. digressing. Okay, <laughs> Kathy, anything you would do to improve this movie? 100% agree on that we need to get rid of the love story between Gordon Pompey and Charlie's mom. And then also those those kids would never have been able to play wearing the pads and the uniforms that they did. They needed to make that a little bit more realistic. Mm-hmm. The first game they went to, they were wearing like this, Charlie Conway's wearing a hoodie <laughs> over top of like an elbow pad from, I don't know what year it was made, but they would never. <laughs> Just one. <laughs> Just one, one elbow pad. They would never have let that happen as a league. And so that's just really not believable. They need to amp up the realism. Yeah, so you're kind of with Kevin, like yes. the, the realism overall of the movie. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, so we just have a couple categories left. We're going to do 
a new category this time. We're going to do our MVP. So just one person or character in the movie who really elevates the movie. And then subsequently, we're going to do the least valuable player, your LVP, who really brings it down. I'll, I'll start it off here. I'm going to say my MVP is uh, Charlie Conway, because I don't think the movie works without him. And he acts as a really great foil to Gordon. And if there's not someone who sort of has this high moral code where, you know, Gordon Bombay at one point in the movie asks them to start like flopping and like throwing penalties and stuff. And Charlie is really the one who steps up and says like, coach, that's not right. And I think that if you don't have that to sort of remind the main character that what he's doing is inappropriate, that the movie doesn't work then my least valuable player is Charlie's mom. She's (laughs) she's got to go. She's so pointless in the movie and we could do without her. I don't want him to be homeless, but like, or like an orphan, but there's got to be a better way to handle that storyline. Maureen, how about you? MVP? You guys are all hating on Charlie's mom. I don't know. Oh my gosh, you're going to pick her for your MVP. (laughs) No, she's not my MVP. Charlie's mom, MVP. Charlie's mom. No, but I- I even looked up the movie, by the way, and I did not, purposely did not look at her name because I didn't want to I don't think Charlie works without his mom. I think you need her because isn't she like single mom working like she works she, at the diner. Yeah. yeah like she is no, the that's one that's fine. But like her storyline being so prevalent in the movie makes her she brings down the movie as a character, not the actress. I mean, she wasn't that great. No, the I'm not talking about the actress. I'm talking about the, the character as written. I think Charlie gets a lot of his values from her. He gets a lot of his work ethic from her. And I think that she's an input. If Charlie is the main character, if we cut Gordon back a little bit, like but Charlie is like the one who, like, as kids, we all identified with, and I think his mom is important to that. Maybe not as much as she just is. Just don't the date movie. the coach, right? Okay, my MVP is the girl hockey player. What's her name? Oh, the figure skater who joins the team. No, mid-year. no, That's in the, the girl who one. ends up dating the the guy with the beanie. Connie, Guy and Connie, Connie. Guy, yeah, yeah. Connie. As a girl who watched this with my brother, um, how many times would you say we watched this? I can't count. Fifty plus. Yeah. I mean, like a lot throughout this is our the childhood. Definition of a rewatchable movie for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And I was watching it because of Kevin. Like, I don't think that I would have been watching it on my own, but like Kevin liked to watch it and it was something that we could watch together. Like we both had enough interest we in the movie. We didn't have that many things that we could watch together and this was one. I mean, I think we probably did. Like Disney-wise and like things like oh, that. Yeah. But like this was one that like you really loved and I also liked it. But she she was a good person for me as a girl who didn't know much about hockey. We can talk about me keeping score at Kevin's hockey games on a later podcast. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, we scored, put it up there. And I was like, anyway. I liked having a girl on the team to represent. And my least valuable, the really creepy coach of the other team. Who, coach Jack coach Riley. Riley. Yep. Yeah, coach was Riley, yeah. also Gordon's coach. That's creepy. And he's just mean and like backhanded. Look, just to play devil's advocate, he has to be that mean to sort of juxtapose Gordon Bombay. Like you need him as a as a figure in the movie. I'd like him to be a little more mean and a little less like mentally manipulative. Like, I'd be okay with more mean and less like, I'm going to mess with your mind. Mm. I'll add on to this because he was my LVP also. Oh, wow. And I okay. said, because he's just too evil. Yes. Like, too evil. And I know that he is representing all the, like, evils in terms of some of the themes that this movie brings up about, like, you know, winning at all costs. And, like, that's why Gordon's, like, teaching his team to cheat and, like, take the dive and take the penalty because, like, he's been taught by this evil coach. And that's why he has so many of these issues and it's coming back to that, which, you know, maybe not so believable, but Coach Riley's just too mean. Also, I kind of ask, what else does he do with his life? <laughs> is he just like coaching peewee hockey and he's been doing this for like 35 years? Yeah, why, like, he's got to win. He? Why is he still coaching the same He's like team. never lost. Like, are you going to move on and do anything else? Yeah. Also, this is well before they had the technology to like de-age someone in a movie. So he looks the exact same age in the flashbacks with Gordon <laughs> as well as like in current that. times. 
But yeah, you're totally right about like, what has he been doing that he only, and he has like these slick uniforms. Like maybe he's put his entire life savings into this peewee hockey team. We could talk about other theme themes. Also, they bring in the like class divisions oh, as yeah, well, yeah, with yeah. socioeconomic status. And he's coaching the like wealthy team. Or yeah. The, the like team of like from like the district with that is like yeah, more Yeah, they redraw the boundaries so they can steal banks. Mm-hmm. Well, no, they, they cheat. Banks is across the other boundary. Yeah, they don't redraw them. They uh, just, they had cheated to Gordon get like, finds down. Out. Yeah, Gordon finds out that he should have been with with his team and so they move him so that's like another one of those like especially how you're like cheating winning at all costs like that's some of the and that's what leads to the quacking scene right when when he goes in and and his boss is like ducksworth is like you don't want to do this gordon (laughs) you don't want to do this and he's like quack 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 because he gets he gets ducksworth to sponsor the team right the team starts out with no pads like goldberg they're just just like newspaper in his socks as the to like for his goalie pads which is not okay as we've said with uh with that and he gets Ducksworth, the like owner of the law or the whatever partner in the law firm, yeah. to sponsor them, and that's the only reason that they were able to like have pads and start becoming good and like actually practice. So right, like all right, of this, right. this 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 coming in about the class divisions, also that term cake eater that uh, that, that they throw around. Oh yeah, I learned is actually a real term from the region, oh, meaning people that can have their cake and eat it too. So when oh. they call Gordon a cake eater, it's because he came from like the wealthy side of town and like could have his cake and eat it too. Interesting. Yeah. All right, did you have an MVP? Because you said your LVP was what's Coach Riley. LVP was Coach Riley. MVP, far and away, Emilio. We yeah. got Emilio, the mighty duck man. Yeah, it, it, the movie doesn't work without him. And no. he does a really good this job. This was the highlight of his career. Well, I, I did write down Breakfast Club yeah, is Breakfast what I remember Club. him for. And he's way better in that. And it's a way better movie, like hands down. No, I like him better in this. I'm staying. I'm sticking All right, with it. you stick with that. I'm like, I know that Breakfast Club, I think, is, is his best. But this is a, cl- a close second for me. Okay, Kathy, MVP, LVP of this movie you know this is a tough one i feel like i agree with a lot of what has been said i would probably say mvp more from my child self because i used to watch this so much i loved adam banks (laughs) he was dreamy loved him super dreamy and when he traded you know he was a bully and then he switched teams and he was like i just want to play hockey yeah, and they all had to good. give him a got chance. got the right values. You know, like he just wanted to play and it didn't matter that his dad was in the politics of trying to get him back on the other team and Coach Riley was the evil man behind this. I just loved Adam Banks, probably because 10-year-old Kathy thought he was super <laughs> cute. <laughs> yeah. um, LVP, a little bit of a tie between the mom yeah, uh-huh. and the evil coach. Okay. I think the mom storyline has to go, not the support for Charlie and the hardworking mom, yeah. but the love story has to go. All right, so we all have uh, done our MVP and LVP. Wait, before we move on to our next question, I have a question for Kathy. So I know how much I had to watch this as a child with Kevin, because like anytime we were watching anything, he wanted to put it on. As an adult and being married to my brother who loves this movie, how many times would you say you've watched it with Kevin? You know, I grew up watching this movie too, and I probably watched it just as much as Kevin did, although I had no interest in hockey. But I think that's a testament to the fact that this is one of those movies that doesn't matter if you like hockey. There's just a lot in it for kids that they enjoy. And since we've been married, we've watched it many times. Too many times, probably a little embarrassing. More than once a year? Have you watched it in the double digits? Let's just say. We've probably watched it on average about once a year, and we've been together more than 10 years. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, in okay. the double digits. Yes. Right. And we've also watched D2 probably similarly. D3, Kevin will not watch with me. No, but I just okay. did, like, this year. But, yeah, I don't really want to watch it again. It's, it's not great. Yeah, D2 is great. But, yeah, D3 has its problems. All right, so we'll move on here to our second to last category, nitpicks. This is another new one we're doing. And this is just fun to sort of pick at some of the things that are that are a little strange in the movie. 
Kevin, do you have any nitpicks that you want to point out? Yeah. Well, I think we already talked enough about like the kids not having the right equipment. That was like, that wouldn't happen. It can't be overstated. It would not let them play. They would not let them play. Yeah. Um, Like the rec league wouldn't let them play. Mine that I, that I wrote down and thought about a lot is Gordon Bombay played in peewees. This is like when you're like 10, 11. I did not look this up and someone might correct me on that. Played in peewees and had this traumatic experience missing the shot. And they're like, doesn't play again. And when they go to the North Stars game, Mike Madonna was like, dude, this guy, this guy ruled in peewees. Like, yeah, if you ever want a shot, like, give me a call. I'm like, <laughs> Mike Madonna, this professional hockey player, even if he played in peewees with this guy and he was really good in peewees, would not remember him. Or if he remembered him, he would have been like, oh, he fell off the face of the earth and like clearly wasn't as good. It's not the age. Like, it would be like more believable if it's like, oh, yeah, I played in high school against this guy and he was really good. You know, we were both like 17 and like kind of came into right. our own. And then I went on to do this. Being like, you were like 10 and super good. Yeah, that's the equivalent of like, oh, you were in a community theater play. Call, call me if you want a shot in Hollywood. Yeah, it's just not not realistic. Yeah. And by the way, he does go off to take his shot at the end of this movie. He does. It's like skill development. Like if you stopped playing then and you don't like continue playing and developing your skills yeah, you would through be your, way through your teenage years, there's no way. Don't you think that there's a possibility that this could have been put in just because isn't that every child's dream? I'm so oh, good, like, like you're so good that like you get noticed or like you get like you immediately get that shot. Like, I don't know. I think that that's such a maybe movies teach us that maybe this was like all of our <laughs> generation. But I think that to me is like one of those like you're so good that like it's in your blood, like it's your dream, it's your calling, it's your that kind of thing. I totally agree that it's a nitpick, but I wonder if it was strategically put in there. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Kathy, any nitpicks from you? Probably too many. One of them <laughs> is probably the skill development of the actual players. They go from not knowing how to skate, like literally falling on each other and like, what are those things? Like a dog pile? Is that what they call oh, them? Oh, yeah, yeah. A dog pile to all of a sudden winning the Pee Wee Championships. And I just feel like with the egg passing, that's not really the skill that they needed. Right, that's in the order only thing to they win. show. They're like, you can pass the egg back and forth without breaking it. Now you're ready to win the district. I learned how to play hockey. I never got to yes. pass an egg back and forth on the ice. Maureen, any nitpicks from you? You know, I don't have anything that like really bothers me every time I watch it. I think there's a lot of inconsistencies. I think what Kevin said earlier about like the kid, the, the actor's not playing hockey well, like the, the hockey itself. I mean, that to me is probably the biggest one, but I don't, there's nothing in it that's so, that like bothers me every time I watch it. There's actually one other thing that was a, that's a nitpick is that there are a couple of parents in this, like Jesse's dad and Charlie's mom, who are super invested in this team and are really supportive, yet the team itself was such a mess from the get-go. Like I don't necessarily believe that team would be so messy because there seems like there are a lot of families who are really invested in their kids, want them to do well, and speak up when they realize that the, Coach Bombay is not doing his job. So I kind of wonder how they weren't at a better starting point from the beginning. I had a couple others that I'll keep really yeah, short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of the ducks are in the same class at school. No way. Mm-hmm. There's, this, there's, this, there's this scene where they quack at the principal after yeah. getting in trouble. Yeah. Like, they were all in the same class and with, like, literally no one else in their class. I just find it really unbelievable no, that they'd point. all be in the same class. And then Fulton, the kid who, like, can shoot the ridiculously hard slap shot, like, breaks the net, like, breaks the twine of the net when scoring. Like, yeah. pros don't even impossible. do that. Like, impossible. No. All right, so the last thing is... Would you recommend this to someone? Let me ask you guys this, maybe instead of this question, because I think we all would recommend the movie. Is this on the Mount Rushmore of kids' sports movies? So think about, you have the big green, you have Sandlot, you have Sandlot. Sandlot Ladybugs. Yeah, I mean, the, all Ladybugs. those are... Oh, Ooh, Rodney Dangerfield. solid soccer movie with Rodney Dangerfield and, you and a even, soccer team. You could even team. throw in something mm-hmm. like Bad News Bears from the 70s. Like, does this crack the the top four? It is for my childhood. Yeah, that's all that matters for this podcast. Yeah, I would yeah, say definitely top four. Yeah. Sandlot is number one for me. Yeah. This is probably number two. 
Yeah. Kathy, does it crack your top four? Yes. It also put hockey on the map in yeah. my mind for a lot of us. I think it, I, it, I think it did. I mean, obviously yeah. the, the Ducks, the Anaheim Ducks. The next year. So Disney started a franchise in Anaheim, the, the Mighty Ducks. Right. And they the named year it. Af- the year after this movie came out. And it was Disney probably because. Disney is so smart. They're yeah. taking over the world. I mean, they so own like, You have to watch this movie. It spawned an NHL franchise. Yeah. And so they were the Mighty Ducks. And I think they've since dropped the Mighty from their right. official name. So they're just the, ducks, the ducks now. But that's pretty amazing that a movie was so popular that they were able to create like an NHL team, which is pretty amazing. All right. Well, I think that will do it for our Critically Panned. Before we wrap up with Kevin and Kathy, we're just going to each give a quick teaser. And since we have four of us today, we're just going to give a quick uh, quick little run through. You don't have to explain why you like it or maybe just a one sentence explanation Maureen, we'll start with you. What is your teaser this week? Bachelor in Paradise. Oh, it's gosh. so cheesy and wonderful. It's better than Bachelor or Bachelorette. So because it's it, they know it, people know it's cheesy. Like they yeah, know it's silly. like they're not trying to be like uber romantic. It's like much more like this is a cheesy dating show. Okay, I think it's enjoyable. All right, Kathy, you you told me something yesterday that you really liked that you you listened to recently. Yeah, listen to Michelle Obama's book Becoming on Audible because listening to her voice narrate feels like very much a conversation, and I think it's way better to listen to than to read. So you're it's like you're sitting with Michelle Obama. It feels like it. I said Michelle and I are hanging out all the time. My teaser for this week is the TV show Better Call Saul. I mentioned it on the podcast a couple weeks ago that it was something I'd been wanting to watch. And when the Emmy nominations came out, I thought I'd give it a shot. And I'm really into it. It's the prequel to Breaking Bad. And I'm going to say, I actually think I like it more than Breaking Bad. All right. So last but not least, Kevin, do you have a teaser for our audience? Yes. uh, I watched a miniseries, Maniac, on Netflix. I'm really into this uh, miniseries movement or whatever within within TV because you're not waiting for a next season and they really can wrap everything up. Right. So you get everything in. You get get it all right there. So that's with Jonah Hill and Emma Stone, right? Emma Stone, yeah. Okay. Check it out on Netflix. All right. That will do it for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week, Maureen and I, together back on our bedroom floor for a brand new episode. Thanks again, Kevin and Kathy. Thank you for having us. You can leave us feedback, comments, or questions on each episode by going to vernacularpodcast.com slash poppedcast. We would love to hear from you. You can also reach us by emailing thepoppedcast at vernacularpodcast.com. Please also subscribe, rate, and review our show on your podcast app of choice so you don't miss an episode. We'll be back next week, as always, sitting cross-legged on our bedroom floor with a brand new episode. Bye, everybody. Bye. If you're looking for a happy ending for both Coach Gordon... Okay. (laughs) Oh, no. Take it again. (laughs) What happened? Can we keep that one in there? I said happy ending. (laughs) For Coach Gordon. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's one. Okay. (laughs)